Do you like biscuits and tea? I don't care. Your interest in biscuits and tea means nothing to me because this is all about me. I don't care if you like dunking your biscuits, breaking your biscuits, carefully licking the innards of your biscuits, or nibbling around the edges of your biscuits. You're an idiot. You're not me. Don't even look at me. And don't even think that I'm making you some tea. I know you want tea, but get your own. I've got my tea. It's Yorkshire tea. And it's not for the likes of you because you're gay, black, poor, Tory, female, immigrant, disabled, uneducated. I lied. I hate you all. Get your own tea. Don't come here thinking that you'll get tea. You'll get none. You deserve nothing. You're just like the rest of them. You never really mattered. And I don't know why I ever pretended that you did. So get yourself down to Waitrose and pay far too much for your tea. Get some fancy tea, but stay away from me and my Yorkshire tea. And that BBC is drama. I didn't get paid for that. Hello and welcome to the Alcoholic Ominous Podcast, Living Sober After Hitting Bottom. My name is Simon, I'm an alcoholic. And I am so cruel. How could men who loved their wives and children be so unthinking, so callous, so cruel? Page 107 of your big books. Intolerable Cruelty is a 2003 American romantic comedy film. The film stars George Clooney and Catherine Zeta-Jones. It's about a man called Miles Massey, a prominent Los Angeles divorce attorney who has everything. He's reached a crossroads in his life. He's successful, but bored. Miles meets his match when he meets Marilyn, the soon-to-be ex-wife of his client, Rex, a wealthy real estate developer. It's six out of ten. It's stupid screwball comedy. It's the Coen brothers, but Jesus, we could all make films like this. It's nothing special, so what's the point? If we're going to make movies, make special ones. Stop wasting everyone's time. No one is queuing up for this. You will end up alone. If I was your best friend, I would have killed myself. My life would be so much better if you were never born. You are my biggest disappointment in life. The world would be a better place without you. I don't love you. I'll never love you. And I see no future with you. Nobody actually liked you. We just invited you to come along because it seemed like you were having fun. You f***er. You You bastard. You arse. You c***t. You shit. Arsehole. Balls. Bitch. Bollocks. Bullshit. Munter. Son of a bitch. Tits. Bastard. Knob. Motherfucker. And I have cleverly called this episode So Cruel. Hello and welcome to the Alcoholic Ominous Podcast, Living Sober After Hitting Bottom. I follow a programme of recovery in which men and women have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I carry a book written by early pioneers who created a roadmap to lead other sufferers out of alcoholism 
My name is Simon. I'm an alcoholic. And I am so cruel. And the question is, why are alcoholics so mean and so cruel to the ones they love? What is it about consuming alcohol that makes us cruel? And think about bar brawls, about pub fights. Alcohol and anger seem to go hand in hand. The alcoholic becomes desensitised to his or her own behaviour. And that's it. Alcohol desensitises us. And not all alcoholics are prone to this anger or cruelty. Some are quite docile and they drink in isolation until they pass out. And they mean no harm to anyone. But individuals who have difficulty controlling anger when sober are easily triggered after downing a few drinks. We alcoholics have poorly developed anger management skills. And remember, I'm Peter Pan. I never grew up. We need to understand that people tend to be most cruel to those that are closest to them. And this is true. People lash out at their loved ones as a stress release. It's safer than lashing out at someone on the road or someone at work. And the loved one becomes a whipping post for all sorts of pent-up frustration. And it's usually over an issue that has nothing to do with them. And under the influence of alcohol, alcoholics can sometimes let their feelings loose. And they can be so cruel. And underneath the surface, we often feel shame and guilt about our alcoholism. And when drunk, these emotions bubble up and manifest in anger and rage and cruelty, and many times directed towards a loved one. And it's people who are closest to the alcoholic that take the lion's share of the abuse. Of course it is. Children of alcoholics become anxious and fearful, never knowing what to expect each day from a parent. And spouses of alcoholics walk on eggshells, constantly trying to avoid triggering the next angry outburst. The emotional damage is significant. And our family members go about their days, their weeks, their months and years feeling confused and frustrated, wondering why alcoholics are so mean to the ones they love. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And we are looking at chapter 8 of our big book, Two Wives. And this is the least thumped chapter. This is the most skipped chapter. And Bill W. wrote it. A bloke. A typically flawed, alcoholic bloke. But he had a wife, Lois. And we know the shit that Bill put Lois through because we read the book. And because we're like Bill, we're not so different. We walk differently and we talk differently and we do not take our heads out of our flipping mobile devices. But we're not so different. The best case scenario is that an alcoholic will recognise their addiction to alcohol and get into some sort of recovery path. And maybe they'll get into a treatment facility 
or see a therapist. Or maybe they'll attend a 12-step meeting, such as Alcoholics Anonymous. They will be able to stop drinking and then hopefully deal with their issue. The reality is that just by putting the drink down, it won't be enough to deal with the issue. So many people in recovery think that somehow by magic, their character defects will just disappear when they stop drinking. And it doesn't work that way. It takes time and effort. And I'm learning this. And it's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. But it could be good. It could be beautiful. And I don't know what you want. Personally, I just like taking things day at a time. One foot before the other. I know what I was. I know where I want to go. And I'm trying. In sobriety. And do you know what? It's not even a week in sobriety. It's a morning in sobriety. And it's today. And all we have is today. And it was my kids. A beautiful princess. And a stealthy assassin. Chalk and cheese. Sweet and sour. Good and bad. I don't know which is which, but they're the coolest kids on the planet, and I don't deserve them, but I've got them. And there is my oldest daughter. She wakes up early. She does her hair. It's important to her. She looks cool, and she plays the game. And it's half Kim Deal from the Pixies, and it's half Taylor Swift, and I have no business here. She'll do well. She's beautiful and cool. And she runs with a gang of other girls that have her back. And she doesn't need to be afraid of anything because she's athletic. And quietly confident and intelligent. And if we're worried about the environment, this kid is the brains that will change the world. And then there is my youngest daughter. She wakes up in a position that suggests she's been fighting something all night. Attitude. Where's breakfast? Do my hair. I want curls. Put my television show on. Who's walking to school with us? Where's the fun? I've already read my books and they were shit. And I've already got three boyfriends and they've sworn undying love. What's for lunch? It's different. People are different. And in my kids, I see the best and worst of me. I hope they don't have alcoholism. But I know a load of sons and fathers, mothers and daughters. It's in the family sometimes. 
but I pray to God, not these two. But you just can't do that, can you? Is there an alcoholic gene? I don't know, but I know what I have seen. We all do what we can do. We promote good self-control. We monitor and we support. We encourage good grades. We don't let them watch us drinking. We encourage good communication with the neighbourhood. But I pray to God, not these two. And it's springtime in the north of England, home of the hard-faced, and my oldest daughter is fighting battles that I just wasn't meant to be a part of. My generation brought us AIDS and football violence and global warming, and she can change the world, and she's gone. And my youngest daughter, I look at her, and we've got to walk to school together. And the sun is out. And it is a beautiful day in South Manchester. The school mums are looking ugly and aggressive. The school dads are looking like they've spent the night with school mums. And here is a little kid taking the world on. Cheeky winks at boyfriend. A hug for little girls unhappy with having to go to school. And I've got my sun cream on. And I'm playing out today. And I've got a sun hat on. And I couldn't give a shit how this damages my curls. And if you could see what I could see. You'd never need to drink. I didn't miss the colour purple today. Not today. God bless who's ever on playground duty today. There's a little kid. I think it's mine. You are in my thoughts and prayers. My experiences as a practicing alcoholic. I wasn't cruel, was I? I didn't want you to get hurt. I didn't want to be that guy, but I think I was. There was this moment, Christmas 2008. It was the work's Christmas do. It was fancy dress and I dressed up like Jim Morrison and I behaved like Jim Morrison. I was a drunken poet. And you'll be pleased to hear that I actually won the fancy dress competition that night for some category or another. And I received a bottle of champagne and I grabbed the microphone and I told the people I worked with that they were all just a bunch of fucking slaves. Then I did a black power salute and left the stage. And I opened the champagne at someone else's table and I swigged from the bottle. I was telling the onlookers that I was the Lizard King. And I told someone called Barbara that she was a right bitch. And that she needed to stop being a bitch all her life. And that was the last I saw of Barbara that night. And on Monday morning, my boss took me to one side. He told me that Barbara had been in tears all night. And that she was devastated that the champagne had made a mess everywhere and I just laughed. 
that I'd made a pass at someone inappropriately and she was now insecure and that I'd been a fool and this wasn't what Christmas do's were all about. Boom. Look what alcohol did to the alcoholic. I'd gone to that Christmas do thinking that I could be Jim, the lovable poet and rock star, the legend, the man that wanted peace and love. And look what I did. The impact of alcohol on the alcoholic. A woman in tears, a mess, an insulted audience, a traumatised woman, a laughing fool and a drunken horse thief. It's a good example of how I have been cruel without even knowing it. And what did I do? I apologised to my boss, just brushed it off. I apologised to Barbara and sounded like I meant it. The people I'd sprayed champagne on, we laughed. The Black Power salute was seen as a good thing, a positive. And I just laughed off the traumatised woman. The drunken horse thief got away with it again. And I have been cruel without even knowing it. And this is me. This is what I do. I get away with it. You can fool all of the people all of the time. But you can't fool yourself. I knew in 2008 that I was an alcoholic. It was a few years later that I accepted it and did something about it. But back then I just went back to my wife and my kid after that night and just brushed it off. Because I'm clever like that and you'll never know. And there are millions of us just like me fucking up, brushing it off making ourselves miserable, making others miserable, fucking not finding the answers, repeating the same mistakes over and over until something hits us. Maybe it's me. Step one, kids. This is where it starts. Sometimes you have to go back there to see how far you've come. I get to walk my daughter to school today in the sunshine and it's nice out there and if I'm doing my podcast today it's because I want others to feel this do not miss this please Jesus Biscuits and tea. That's what we do. Little things, little steps. Let's have a quick look in the book. 
At the bottom of page 108, the book says, the problem with which you struggle usually falls into one of four categories. One, your husband may only be a heavy drinker. His drinking may be constant or it may be heavy only on certain occasions. Perhaps he spends too much money on liquor. It may be slowing him up mentally and physically, but he does not see it. Sometimes he is a source of embarrassment to you and his friends. He is positive and can handle his liquor, that it does him no harm, that drinking is necessary in his business. He would probably be insulted if he was called an alcoholic. This world is full of people like him. Some will moderate or stop altogether, and some will not. Of those who keep on, a good number will become true alcoholics after a while. So what are we looking at here? Our husband, our loved one, may only be a heavy drinker, but a good number of these will become alcoholics after a while. And okay, this is category one. They drink too much, they spend too much, they don't see it, they could moderate or stop. Category 1. Category 2. Your husband is showing lack of control, for he is unable to stay on the water wagon even when he wants to. He often gets entirely out of hand when drinking. He admits this is true, but is positive that he will do better. He has begun to try with or without your cooperation. Various means of moderating or staying dry. Maybe he is beginning to lose his friends. His business may suffer somewhat. He is worried at times and is becoming aware that he cannot drink like other people. He sometimes drinks in the morning and through the day also to hold his nervousness in check. He is remorseful after serious drinking bouts and tells you he wants to stop. But when he gets over the spree, he begins to think once more how he can drink moderately next time. We think this person is in danger. These are the earmarks of a real alcoholic. Perhaps he can still tend to business fairly well. He has by no means ruined everything. As we say among ourselves, he wants to want to stop. And this is category two. Showing a lack of control, can't stay on the wagon, sometimes drinking in the morning, tells you that he wants to stop. He wants to want to stop. Category 2. 3. This husband has gone much further than husband number 2. Though like number 2, he became worse. His friends have slipped away. His home is a near wreck and he cannot hold a position. Maybe the doctor has been called in and the weary round of sanitariums and hospitals has begun. He admits he cannot drink like other people, but he does not see why. He clings to the notion that he will yet find a way to do so. He may have come to the point where he desperately wants to stop, but cannot. His case presents additional questions which we will try to answer for you. You can be quite hopeful of a situation like this. Category 3. He got worse. His friends have gone. The home is a shipwreck. He can't hold a position. There are hospitals. He admits he can't drink like others. He wants to stop but can't. But there is hope. 
and on page 110 in the middle of the page we look at category 4. You may have a husband of whom you completely despair. He's been placed in one institution after another. He is violent or appears definitely insane when drunk. Sometimes he drinks on the way home from the hospital. Perhaps he has had delirium tremens. Doctors may shake their heads and advise you to have him committed. Maybe you have already been obliged to put him away. This picture may not be as dark as it looks. Many of our husbands were just as far gone. Yet they got well. Category 4. We completely despair. Hospitals, institutions, doctors give up. Put him away, but there is still hope. And that is drama, BBC. That is drama. God, I'm good at this. Give me the book, give me the audience, and give me drama. Here's to you, the BBC, Dr Javid. Kiss my podcast. You've got a garden, but you're not working that hard at it. You're busy, you've got kids, you've got priorities, you're doing stuff, you've got meetings, you've got meditations. You're making sure that little people are eating something. You're a modern man doing the best you can, and the garden is a mess. Of course it is. It's to be expected. You deserve a medal. For what you've done and how far you've come. They don't know that you do a podcast. And they don't know that people in Scandinavia listen to you. And it helps. You've got a shit garden. And then they say to you, let's do your garden. And there's nothing wrong with the garden. It looks okay. Okay, it's not Wembley and it's not the Chelsea Flower Show. But it's okay, it's nice. But no... Your girlfriend says it could be better. Let's do some trips to the recycling centre. Let's tidy those borders up. Let's put some patio furniture there. Let's put some work in. And you say, okay, but you're wasting your time because I already did this. This is as good as it gets. And she says, no, let's give it a go. Four hours later, I love my garden again. And she worked harder than I did. And I'm a useless man. And she was great. Ah, that fucking hurt. And she was right. And this resentment is for people like her. People that think you've been through more than I have. People that think you've hurt more than me. People that work harder than me. People that see the colour purple more than I ever did. And get there. It pisses me off. And you're right sometimes. Friends, eat al fresco with your children. Enjoy the weather. Wear your ugly Ugg boots and your flip-flops. 
hug the kid that's crying on the way to school. Don't give up on your husband or wife. Do your hair. Give everyone else the finger. Fight the good fight. Live the dream. Meet a girl that makes you see sense. Find that person, that cat, that dog, that group. Because if you're an alcoholic, you're probably wrong about everything. Apart from music and movies, that's yours. This resentment is to everyone who was right where I was wrong. The smug, the clever, the girl that Jesus set you up with. Enjoy the great outdoors. It's springtime. Garden looks nice. And I never told her I loved her. It's a love story. That's what this is. Fuck you, BBC drama. Look what I created. Alcoholicominous at gmail.com or anonymously via the website alcoholicominous.com. I'm on Twitter and YouTube, but no good will come of these things. And you know what? I like Sober Pod Podcast and I like 12stepOnline.com. That's 12step-online.com. And I like SoberDoesn'tSuck.com. That's SoberDoesn'tSuck.com And I like XASpeakers.org That's XA-speakers.org And I like these people because they do not claim to be geniuses. They're just trying to carve out a better life. And I wish to remind you that whatever I have said in this podcast expresses my own individual opinion as of today and up to this moment i do not speak for aa and you are free to agree or disagree as you see fit in fact it is suggested that you pay no attention to anything that is not in the big book and if you don't have a big book it's time you bought one read it study it live with it loan it scatter it and learn from it and if you are suffering with alcoholism, pick up the phone, find a meeting, tell the first person you see, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Good night. The things that are stopping me from being in the new and noteworthy section of iTunes and Apple Podcasts. The Women's Prize for Fiction Podcast. I can't compete there, I'm not a woman. Asking for a friend podcast. In today's social media culture, it's easy to look around and believe that everyone else has life figured out. But things aren't always as they appear. Each week, fashion designer 
NYT best-selling author and lifestyle expert Lauren Conrad will host a variety of experts for candid conversations on everything from life, love and business. Thanks, Lauren. Who the fuck is Lauren Conrad? Conversations Against Living Miserably by Dave Conversations Against Living Miserably is a podcast created by Dave. Every week our hosts talk to a different guest about how they live their day-to-day lives without misery. It's funnier than it sounds, we promise. Jesus. The Wellness Connection with Jasmine Helsme and Pucker. Do you feel perfectly in balance all of the time? If like most of us the answer is no, then tune in to The Wellness Connection. The podcast will tell you what to do. The, this podcast will not tell you what to do because when it comes to being... This podcast will not tell you what to do because when it comes to being well-being, one size does not fit all. Deliciously Ella. Oh my God, she's still in the mix. How the hell is she still in the mix? Confused about health and wellness? Each week we interview an expert to bring a little inspiration to your life from gut health to mental health and anxiety. How to make sustainable changes, finding happiness, what happens to our brains when we exercise, skincare 101, dealing with stress, dealing with stress, dealing with stress, veganism and the environment and so much more. Hosted by Ella and Matthew Mills. I fucking hate these people. Seriously. Let's be careful out there.